Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. Jesus have to do with us? A few years ago, a young couple walked into the warehouse that our church had rented out for the morning's liturgy. We were much smaller then. I introduced myself to them, welcomed them, made sure they had a booklet for the liturgy. Uh, one of them had just finished his PhD in Scotland, and he had moved here to reunite with his fiance. They were planning a wedding. He takes a look at the booklet that I put in his hands and says, Well, that's very pretty, but it looks like a lot of words. I'm not sure that I'll be coming back. (laughs) I said, I appreciate the honesty. Three nights ago, I drove to San Angelo, which, pro tip, you should just like see how far San Angelo is well in advance of when you actually have to drive, because it turns out you have some time management there to be aware of. So I drive to San Angelo a couple nights ago, three nights ago, and I preached at his ordination. He's now one of the newest priests serving God in the Episcopal Church. What does Jesus have to do with us? Ten years ago, another young couple meets at this church in Austin. They date, and they go kind of through a a PhD process themselves, and they do a long-distance deal, and eventually they find their way back to Houston, and they desire a community where they can meet other people, worship God, put their talents to use, make meaningful friends. A friend of theirs from their church in Austin says, well, there's this church in Houston called Holy Family. You should go check them out. Well, They've made such close community now. Some of their best friends in this world are you. And they serve here regularly. Last night, this room looked like this because 
we married them here last night. And I preached right here. And I served with a musician playing our bits that Luke and the team have put together here. But it was a musician from their church in Austin. What does Jesus have to do with us? That's the question. Jesus walks into synagogue and he starts communicating. And it was pretty impressive communication as far as it goes. When suddenly a man possessed calls the question, what do you have to do with us? Now, certain communities of faith I have learned are more accustomed to giving feedback to their preachers than others. I served a congregation in rural North Carolina, and if you know anything about rural North Carolina, you know there's nothing much more rural than that. And they taught me, the beloved saints there taught me a wonderful phrase. I was never called Jacob there. Some of you grew up in churches where you like to call me father. That's fine. Uh, I, my, my preference is Jacob, but I will do whatever you want to call me. It's fine. There, I never got father. I never got reverend. I never got Jacob. It was only preacher. Close. It was preacher. They're like, yeah, you're the 52nd preacher we've had. We've been around here since 1856. There'll be more after you. You're the preacher. Got it. They taught me a phrase. That sermon stepped on my toes today, preacher. <laughs> First Sunday, they said uh, we were, you know, glad handing. You know, it was one of those churches where you like, got to shake everybody's hand out the door. And uh, I said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, Mildred. And she said, no, that's a compliment. I said, oh, well, good. Thank you. <laughs> she taught me the importance of preaching in a community. I'll never forget week two sitting in the Sunday school class. Burnus asks for the mic. Not that there was really a mic, but she just said, excuse me, I'd like to just say something here. And everybody got quiet. Burnus said, I just want to make a confession. Last week, when I saw the new preacher come in with tattoos on his arms and a Catholic priest collar around his neck, I just thought to myself, devil in the church. Right in front of my eyes. I just lean back in my chair and say, let's see where this goes. But then she says, but then I heard you preach, and I'm sorry. I judged you by your appearance. I said, it's okay, Bernice. I did the same for you. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I, did not, I did not say that. I did not say that. I learned that preaching... Can, can help you in communities. Sometimes I receive positive notes on my preaching. Happened last night. That's always kind of nice. I did get a little bit of ordination sermon feedback, though, a couple nights ago. The bishop who was preaching said, I want to thank you for your sermon. That was a tough sermon. That actually meant a lot to hear. Well, this is an old practice calling out preachers and telling them what you think about what they say. Jesus gets called out in front of everybody. I'm not giving you license to do that now. My email address is sarah at holyfamilyhtx.org. You can send all of your preaching feedback there. (laughs) This is an old practice. Jesus gets called out. What do you have to do with us? 
My friend Cameron opened up this text for me in a big way. He wonders, I wonder if this guy was a regular who spoke out. Apparently, this gospel says the demons that we are harassed by don't get checked at the door. You don't. I mean, it's a nice thought to leave it at the door. How's your track record on that? Apparently, they just come right in with you. I wonder if people were shocked to discover his possession. Oh, my. Oh, that's, jo- that's Joe's voice. Oh, Joe's saying something. Oh, I sit in front of Joe every week. I've taken a class here with Joe. Yeah, I've seen him carry the incense in the liturgy every now and then. I had no clue that he was being burdened like this. While Joe's demons are getting aired out in public, I wonder if Stephen is a few pews away going, okay, well, if Joe's airing his demons out, mine can stay under wraps today then. We'll just deal with Joe's today. This gospel says... As much as we try to hide it, we are all burdened and possessed by many powers and principalities. What do you have to do with us? How come you couldn't have just kept things the way they were, Jesus? You know, we had a pretty decent setup until you showed up and started talking. I wonder if you've ever asked those questions to Jesus. What do you have to do with me? What do you have to do with us? How come you couldn't have just kept things the way they were? I like some of that truth-telling. It's one of the things I respected about Burnus, too, frankly. There's an inertia in American Christianity that always wants to drag us down into the most sappy, saccharine sentimentalities when we start doing church. When we talk about God and life with God. And we collapse into just little feel-good sentiments. And we think, well, if Jesus comes, he will call me to the place where my deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And then at that point, I'll really be able to let my life sing. But I know something that this possessed man knew. Jesus Christ typically shows up as the great disruptor of our lives. Do you think Paul felt a deep gladness when Jesus Christ blinded him on the road to Damascus? Was his life speaking finally on his back? I mean, God tried to send Moses and Moses told God, "Uh uh-uh, you can send somebody else. I'm not interested in that job. No, thank you. Jonah, Jonah had zero interest in going to preach to the city of people in Nineveh. And you know why? Because he hated them. Now, come on, we're in church. Don't lie. Some of y'all hate people. Jonah hated the Ninevites, and he said, I'm not going to, that does not fill me with gladness. That does not make my life sing to go preach to the people that I hate. Go get somebody else. Amos had a very happy life. He was farming, and he was in, he was always touching grass, and he like just had a great life. And then God sent him to Jeroboam. Did you know that between our interns and our curates and all of the people that we have sent to seminary, Jesus Christ has disrupted at least nine people's lives associated with this congregation and has now thrust them onto a path to ordained ministry. 
In some ways, that's really cool because we're a small church and we're a young, you know, we haven't been around for that many years. It's pretty great. But I promise you, not a single one of them would say that this was going according to their plan. Right? (laughs) That's to say nothing about the number of people who have discerned their vocation with us and discovered that Jesus Christ was calling them to remain lay people, but was sending them into the public school systems and HISD to be a positive force for change and to care for these children into the hospitals to be chaplains and to go back into their art studios and make art that shows the world that even when life is difficult, it can still be beautiful. None of them would really say, I have this in my five-year plan. But Jesus disrupts that. Finding fulfillments or meaning or purpose in your life is fine. And sometimes I get on a hobby horse about it just because it's such a problem in the church, getting all sappy and precious momentsy about it. But I promise you I'm not actually against it. I'm really not. I'm just saying it's not the same thing as Jesus Christ disrupting your life and saying, I have an assignment for you. It's just not the same thing. And when Jesus Christ disrupts your life, you might have to surrender some of the ways that you have found prior meaning in your life to take up this assignment that he puts in front of you. This is kind of the reality of it. What do you have to do with us? How come you couldn't just leave things the way they were? Unless you continue to hold on to this moment of precious Jesus, the text that Sarah proclaimed for us from the center of our community says that Jesus spoke harshly to the demon. Shut up. Get out of him. No easing in, no wounded healer stuff. No, let's have a moment and talk about what I just experienced from you. When you say things like, I feel like none of that, shut up, get out of him. Okay. That's when everybody suddenly got an answer to Jesus Christ's challenge. What does Jesus have to do with us? everything. Every chain that is holding you down, Jesus has to do with that. Every fear that is gripping you, every ounce of cynicism that continues to choke out any hope that you have, every war and genocide that continues to be waged and enacted, every inhumane razor fence, every lie about the dignity of every single human being on earth, being exactly who God created them to be, every system perfectly designed to oppress you, every way of death that we keep pretending is a way of life, Jesus Christ has everything to do with it. You can find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.